Hello, my friends. This is Andy Falco Jimenez, and I am the host today. Sorry, I didn't have my lower third up um, of the California Parent Alliance podcast. I'm also the president of the California Parent Alliance podcast. That is a fairly new thing. It's been for the last couple months. We are making some huge changes in the organization. We are making some alliances that are going to be very important, um, I think, to uh, to many parents in regard to vaccine mandates and to legal actions that can be taken and that kind of stuff. So I encourage you to go to the CaliforniaParentAlliance.org website, CaliforniaParentAlliance.org website. The old one is still up, but you can still subscribe and, and register for the announcements. We're going to have an online, uh, some online programming coming up, and then we're going to have a live program uh, that you'll definitely want to attend with some very good speakers. It's just too early to tell you all those things. As we get confirmations, we'll be able to tell you Who's going to be there? All right. So this is a new platform uh, for our Placentia Yorba Linda School District recap. It's also a little bit late uh, with Thanksgiving and some other things that were going on in our life here in the family. Uh, we are a couple of weeks after uh, the meeting and the meeting was an amazing one. It was so amazing that <laughs> I wanted to bring on my good friend, Leandra Blades, who is one of the school board members uh, to help me discuss what went on in the meeting. So Leander Blades, how you doing? Good, how are you? <laughs> Very good. I understand it's your son's birthday. I appreciate you coming on in your son's birthday. Yeah, in fact, I uh, you got me out of uh, making the food run for him. So. <laughs> <laughs> My oldest is taking over for that. <laughs> well, very good. I'm so happy that I got you out of that thing. Oh, um, <laughs> we, it, it really appears to me that um, things are really starting to uh, happen. Um, in regard to parents, we're beginning to win uh, on the, uh, you know, on the fight for our kids. I'm trying to be careful because I don't want to say anything that's going to be too slanted one, one political party over the next. But really, this is a fight uh, about parents for our kids. It, we can't necessarily continue to say, as we did for many of our other shows, that it's a conservative or conservative Christian thing. It really is a parent thing. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Have we transitioned from a political issue to more of a, a parental issue? So I kind of think that it's there's there's been a transition for some parents um, mm. that has become a, a strictly parental thing. But then I also think that there's some who've kept it political as well. Mm. Um, I feel like most of the people who I'm speaking to now, it really has um, it's, it really is a parent issue because there's so many of the choices that are being taken away from our parents, um, you know, vaccinating your kids, the masks. I mean, I get um, these text messages, emails, messages, you know, Facebook, everything, all these articles that from all these people all over the United States, all over the world that are saying masks are bad for the kids and their, um, you know, the stuff that is doing to their brain and the learning loss and all of the, the health issues that these masks are causing. And yet you're just like powerless as a school board and you're powerless as a district to do it because of the CDPH and, you know, the state's control over all of this. Um, and so I really do think just from all the parents I had a parent meeting today with, um, you know, parents from our district, I, I, I think, you know, they voted me in and I need to hear them. So I try as much as possible in meetings with people every week and they tell me their concerns and, um, you know, what they can do to get involved. So, yeah, I just listening today, there was nothing political whatsoever about today. It was all about the vaccine mandate, about choice, about all this stuff. So but I but then you do look out and you see. Um, a lot of politics that are still coming into play. Like um, there was a lot of those students from Chapman who, you know, parents were telling me that they were instructed, um, that came to the last board meeting and I think they were wearing green shirts. 
Um, yep. The parents in line were telling me that their goal was to take the seats so the parents and the people who belong to our school district would not be able to, you know, to sit in the seats um, and to attend. And a lot of people in line were asking, they go, what district are we in? Where is this? What's this district called? Right. And they're trying to fill out comment cards. And so I would say that in that aspect, there's people who are bringing in politics. But there's, you know, genuinely, I think the people who are attending these school board meetings are parents that are absolutely concerned about their, their kids' future, not only their future health, but their future education. So just to help uh, some of the other parents in other school districts, I know that when we generally talk, we're focusing on Placentia Urban School District. But um, if you haven't noticed, I've been elected president to this organization that's been around for a couple of years, the California right. Parent Alliance. Um, Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> I was surprised, uh, but um, it, it, uh, it's, it's a great organization. Um, but to speaking to them, how important, and let me show a slide here really quick. This is um, what it looked like at the very last meeting inside. <clears throat> every seat is, is taken. It actually looks a little bit less than the one previously because we were allowed to have standing room only, but they restricted that this time. Uh, and then outside, it was this large crowd. So inside, we had a large crowd. Outside, we had a large crowd. It was so big that um, the uh, police were called in in large numbers and the fire department was called in in large numbers. I'll get to that point in one second. Uh, but um, what um, impact on a school board and the um, superintendents who are in, in attendance, um, what kind of impact does the, uh, you know, the attendance of, a, uh, of the parents in, in that type of, um, you know, size um, group? How does that impact what's happening on the inside and on their decision-making? Well, I mean, okay. So I just want to be clear too. So nobody can say anything. I'm here talking as myself, not as, you know, a representative of the entire school board. These are my own facts. These are my own opinions. Um, so for me, when the last, um, when the last meeting where they were standing room only, I thought that that was amazing. I really did. I thought like, wow, you know, this is awesome. Um, you know, there's other people that didn't have my views on that. They thought it was like intimidating and dangerous and certain things like that. And that just wasn't, I mean, you know, prior law enforcement, I think we just look at the world. We look at things just differently. I didn't feel threatened. I didn't feel anything. Um, but I would say that um, that was, an that was an amazing, amazing night because there were so many people and there was so many, so much concern. And then I remember like when we did the national, um, not the national anthem, we did the Pledge of Allegiance. Everybody was like, it was so loud and there was so much emphasis. And then when the kids sang and they were singing the patriotic songs, I mean, I just thought that the crowd size and then all of the patriotic things that were happening, I thought that was just an amazing thing. Yeah. Um, and great. I just feel like, you know, I mean, I, I'm wondering and I've suggested maybe do we change the venue? Because I don't think it's fair that if we're going to have um, a certain political side that just doesn't agree with what's going on in our district, but they have zero to do with our district and they're going to bring in people to specifically fill seats. So parents of the children in our district can't get in, can't have their opinions, have to stand out in the cold. Then I do think that, you know, even though we've paid a lot of money, you know, to get the live streaming in. I mean, I do think we need to make some accommodations for, for, for these people outside. Cause like they were saying it was freezing that night. It was so cold. Um, and you know, I wasn't aware how cold it was cause you know, we walked into the meeting at three forty-five that day. So it wasn't until I walked out at almost midnight that, right. you know, I realized how cold it was. Um, but yeah, I thought, you know, so at least 
maybe like we have heaters outside next time or we do something so people aren't so miserable. But I did think that that was, um, that it was a shame that the parents in our district weren't all able to um, interact in the room and to see what's going on firsthand. Because, you know, while you can watch things live streaming, there is something about being in person. Yeah. Um, what was the, the thought behind having the, um, you know, calling in the police and the, and the fire in large numbers? Was that, was there truly some concern? Um, I, I know that people made mention that I, you know, one of the things that some of the parents feel is that it's, it's a, a way of intimidating the parents on some level. Um, when, when, when they're called in, is there a discussion with the school board? Like, Hey, we're going to call in the police and the fire department um, because there's a concern or what, what, what can we tell our parents about that, that move or that need? <clears throat> I think it was mainly um, just to keep the peace because, you know, you hear, there's a lot of rumblings that you hear. And at the last one with, you know, the 400 people, there was some, you know, there was some things going out on in the, in the room, you know, little things here and there and, and in the lobby. And, and I think it was mainly just the police were there and the security were there just to make sure to kind of keep the peace in case there was anything. I think it was a more um, offensive and proactive approach this time um, to keep people safe. And with the room, there were, I mean, there were some complaints that there was a fire hazard mm. and, you know, the, you know, the um, aisles were blocked and doors were blocked. And so, you know, you have to keep it, you know, as a school district and as a superintendent, I would imagine he wants to make sure that, you know, he keeps the state, uh, the school and the district safe from any type of, you know, liability. So right. I think it was just basically, it wasn't anything against the parents. I think it was just one of the things where he's want to make sure everybody was safe. If there was some type of fire, some type of incident that people were able to get out. Um, and then, you know, we had called in the fire authority to reassess the room to see how many seats could hold and be done safely. Um, yeah. So, so it wasn't anything against any type of parents or whatnot. It was just, um, you know, there was people in the room who felt completely safe. There's people who said that they felt unsafe. There's people who thought it was a fire hazard. So I think it was just mainly, um, to do that, it was an appeasement of everybody, and it really wasn't any harm in doing so. Right. And we see in restaurants, there's a, a limitation on how many people can be in a restaurant, in right. a movie theater. And so um, I, I felt that, you know, and, never, and it wasn't as if the law enforcement was trying to be intimidating, very accommodating. Everybody was talking to them. A lot of us right. know the different police officers because we they are right. part of our community. And so right. I, I felt, I didn't, I didn't feel, but I just knew there were some parents that were, you know, uh, just concerned yeah. <laughs> about some yeah. other stuff. Um, I want to talk about when the parents get up and speak because we have a large number of parents um, and I want to share just one of the videos of somebody speaking. It's, it's uh, one of my, one of my more, more favorites of the night. There was a bunch of great ones and I, it, it, because I choose somebody doesn't mean that yours wasn't as good, but I, not, not you, but the people watching, cause I, I know people are watching right, right. there, <laughs> but uh, the sound was awful. Hopefully with all the money they spent on the, uh, the stream that they'll fix the audio too. Um, yeah. And I but, think too, when I, I watched back the next day and then my yeah. husband was watching at home and my kids and they said, they all noticed. They said, just tell everybody to stay back from the mic. Because if you did notice when they got really close to the mic, yep. that's when the sound was terrible. <laughs> yeah. And I'm just glad I have a voice to speak again because I was like, yeah. just, just be heard. <laughs> that, was, that was pretty funny. Okay, here we go. Here's a speaker from uh, that night. I have two young children enrolled here at PYLUSD, and my youngest child has yet to experience a normal school education. My other son's last normal experience was when he was in preppy K. 
52% of kids ages 5 through 11 had COVID as of June per CDC. Likely 50 to 60% now after the Delta wave. An indiscriminate vaccination policy in children will result in an unintended harm. These are self-inflicted wounds on our nation's children. Children have a 99.998% chance of survival. What I find confusing is that there are already been dis other districts that have already stated that they will not be enforcing the vaccine mandate. They are willing to turn down the COVID funding that you are getting from following this mandate, a mandate that is causing more harm to children than good. Suicide rates, health issues, etc., are at an all-time high. And for what? I ask one more thing from the, the board and the district. Be that district, be that board that stands for freedom, that stands for the rights of our children and your students. I need to have be that conclude. district that follows the Constitution of the United you. States. I we have, have rights. Have Acknowledge have those rights. Thank you. Well, that was one of my favorites uh, of the of the night, uh, along with about 20 others. Um, <laughs> my first question for other, again, parents attending other school board meetings, how impactful are those uh, moments that a parent gets up there uh, and speaks to the school board? I think it's super impactful because, you know, we need to know how all the parents are speaking. And I think people, you know, like, I think it's terrible that we only give them one minute because mm. you should be able to go up there and speak and you should be able to you know, say what's on your mind and not have to tailor it to, one, to mi one minute. But it is good to see what people's perspectives are. And it is good to know that there's people out there that are watching and that are behind you. Because I feel like as we've gone on and the more parents come and the more parents speak, you not only feel like, um, not more emboldened, but you feel like it kind of gives you a little bit more courage and a little bit more fight that, you know, you're just not alone. That when you, you know, stand up, that there's a lot of people behind you. And there's a lot of people, you know, who are watching at home and they said, man, this live stream is best thing ever. We never knew what was going on. Um, and so it's good. It's good to hear, you know, and it's even good to hear the opposite perspectives on things. But I think what it comes down to, and I think a lot of people on both sides of the aisle who feel certain ways, you know, whether they want the vaccine or not, um, a lot of people have agreed that what it comes down to is parents' choice. Right. Parents' choice is their kids. With uh, everything that's happening in the courts in regard to the, the you know, the federal mandates that uh, Joe has been, <laughs> I tried not to use any, any other name for him, um, which is not easy. Um, uh, he's been shut, he's been shut down on every, on everything uh, in, in regard to a mandate. Um, in our school district, again, I will continue to say, I believe our school district happens to be one of the better ones, even though right. we are there fighting um, compared to what else, you know, what other ones uh, that we have here in California that are right. uh, having far bigger problems than we are. Right. But uh, with all that, is it possible, and I understand that there's other organizations and, and, and statewide agencies that are, uh, you know, dictating certain things, but if the courts are saying the mandates are unconstitutional and lawful, how is it possible that a school district can put in a mandate where, where, again, we, we understand that mandates aren't necessarily laws uh, right. that we voted on and that have been put, you know, put properly in place for them to be a law. Where, where does a mandate, you know, fall in regard to what a district can do? Can they disregard a mandate? So, so what happened was, is with the mask mandate that came from the CDPH and that's like a requirement that they've brought down. That's my understanding. And, you know, you keep reading things every single day and people keep throwing out so many codes. So you're constantly looking at all the codes and trying to send it over, 
you know, to the district, hey, what about this code? What about this code? Um, as far as I know the let them breathe, I read the I read all the transcripts from the court and it is a re it's a recommendation about this. Um, the uh, quarantine and the testing. And so what happened was, is Dr. Chow from the OC Health Department has gone stricter than the CDPH. And he took what they had as a recommendation and he made it a local health order for Orange County. And that's why we have this decision tree, which is basically treating the vaccinated differently than the unvaccinated and requiring the testing and the quarantine. So what was a recommendation, he's made a, a health order for Orange County. And that's why we're stuck doing some of the stuff that we are. I don't think that since the CDPH has required these masks statewide, we're kind of stuck with this, but they did only recommend certain things. But what happened was Dr. Chow went stricter than them. And so we have to follow the, the local Orange County health order. And wow. so that's been my thing is when people ask me, I said, why are we not directing it to Dr. Chow? And the board of supervisors for Orange County is aware of this because we've made them aware that he's gone stricter than the CDPH and that, you know, this is the problem is right now is the vaccinated and vaccinated haven't been considered a class yet. So the whole discrimination type thing, but, you know, I'm starting to think that, that it's going to start coming this way because it seems that every day, you know, the constitution starting to come into play in the States and nations and stuff. So my, my thought has always been is how come nobody's turning their attention to Dr. Chow with this decision? Mm -hmm. Because if he had not made it a local health order, we wouldn't, having, we wouldn't be having to do the quarantine and the testing like we've, like we've been having to do. So we keep saying Dr. Chow, but I don't know where, I don't know why they keep coming back to the district and yelling at us um, when, you know, <laughs> when we have to do that. I mean, like the mass, I think everybody's pretty much I think pretty much because all the schools are having to do it. So I think everybody realizes that's a state thing. But there is like, like, I think in L.A. County, somebody said, what are you talking about? We don't do that. And I don't know <laughs> if L.A. County, they seem to sometimes be stricter. So I don't yeah. know what L.A. County's done. But it's, it appears that this is what he's done in Orange County. And nobody quite understands why, you know, he does this. And I know that there's um, been city officials who have told him, this is data, this is, you know, and he just kind of ignores it from what I'm being told from these meetings. Cause you know, we'll get a little bit of a debrief. And so he kind of, anything that he doesn't quite agree with, he just, oh, well, that's not factual. Well, it came from some pretty factual medical doctors. And I mean, we all know that Dr. Chow is not a medical doctor. So. Right. <laughs> Wait, that's health side of things. So. Right. Um, yeah. So, so that's, that's kind of a question of mine that I would ask all the other parents is, the attention needs to start turning to Dr. Chow and why he went stricter than the CDPH and, you know, why the Orange County Board of Supervisors is allowing him to do discriminatory health orders. Yeah, because I went as, to... As of, right, as of right now, we do know that the vaccinated are spreading it. I know yep. they spread it in our, in our district. I've had parents say, my friends, you know, my friends, uh, my daughter's friend who's vaccinated gave my unvaccinated kid COVID. But she couldn't go to school and she can continue her sports once she has a negative test. But my unvaccinated kid is out for 14 days. How is this fair? And so I, you know, I said, well, let's ask Dr. Chow. Let's ask <laughs> who's our representative, Don Wagner. Let's ask him. How is this fair? Right. Well, I, I've so, been to an I'm Orange sorry, County. I went off a little bit on that one. 
Oh, no, that's okay. Because I went to an Orange County uh, supervisor's meeting and we, you have to wait outside. They're, they're, yeah. You can't be inside. <laughs> you gotta, right. And then they call you in to speak and then you leave. And it's, and I don't even think Chow was at the one that I was at. Um, right. It was, he was on vacation or something. Who knows what he was doing? He we probably are gonna have, We are going to have on the agenda. I was hoping it would be on the December agenda. Um, and so I'm not sure if it's going to be on. We have a really packed agenda for December, but I am trying to get it on the December agenda, but it was, it was for sure be on the January agenda to put it to a board vote if we should start treating everybody, every student in the district, whether vaccinated or unvaccinated, all the same. Mm -hmm. And so right. um, we are gonna bring that forward to a, a vote. And I, you know, of course, everybody's gonna know what my, what my vote is because I, I'm the person putting the agenda item forward. But I do think that we can do better. And I think that the right thing to do is not to wait for other people to tell us what the right thing to do is that we just need to go out and do it ourselves. Because part of the um, health orders are you can always go stricter than the local health order, but you can never ease up. So we can technically go stricter. So as of right now, what we'd be doing is the vaccinated would have a stricter, um, would have the stricter course of action because they would be the same as the unvaccinated right now, but everybody would be the same or be equal. I gotcha. So do we know what the ramifications of going against the, or the Dr. Chow um, uh, you know, we've heard everything that it's a thousand dollar fine and we could pay that, but you know, we'll pay the, the guy that supports BLM to speak at a school for 60,000, but we wouldn't pay a thousand dollars. So, it, I mean, no, that's what I'm hearing. So do you have a, a, a feel for what actually is the consequence to a school district not following those orders? You know, they say that they can take away, you know, funding and, and you see, and that's kind of the thing is like, it's almost like, co it's almost kind of like coercion. If these are like Lynn, I've, and I continue to make the argument and I continue with the same belief that mandates are not laws and that this is a violation of our constitution. I continue to believe that. Um, however, you know, there's, um, you know, we've had, uh, you know, there's threats of like lawsuits against, you know, the district, against individual board members, against, uh, you know, there's, there's just a lot of, there's a lot of sides that there's a lot of, you know, personal beliefs that people have. Um, but as of right now, I do know that when uh, earlier this year, when, when the uh, mask deal came out where they said that they were going to leave it up to the districts to um, enforce the masks and some districts just said, well, fine, if they choose not to wear the mask, we're not going to enforce it. I do know that Chow was taking down names of those districts and turning them into state and the state was paying visits to the schools. So I do know that there is that type of intimidation. I don't know. You know, I haven't heard of any. I haven't heard, I mean, you know, I don't think anybody wants to be the first school to know what happens, but I think, you know. You might as well be. I, yeah, you know, I, I don't know, like, there, there has to come a time when, when people just need to start standing. And I, and I, we've been reaching out, you know, to other school districts and, you know, trying to find, because I think if we all could just stand together. Well, I, I think, and I feel strongly that we now, with the presence of the, the parents we have there here, are at the, you know, attending. Mm -hmm. uh, and the amount of emails and text messages I get from parents to say, gosh, I wish I could be there, but I work. And you were right. to take those numbers. They're, they're very large numbers yes. uh, of people that would do that. And like the, uh, the mom that was speaking in the clip that I played, she was at saying, we need to be that district. We, we were, we're asking yes. the, the school board and the district to be those people that 
take a stand, be the ones. Somebody's has yeah. to do it, and uh, yeah. why not? Why not us? Uh, right. I, I go back to when uh, BLM and the Antifa came to your Belinda, and I'm and I don't believe you were at that event where they decided, <laughs> but <laughs> uh, you made the right decision. <laughs> yes, that they came and um, and we had enough Yorbalindians uh, there that said, this is not going to happen in our right. city. And we fought against them. And they were so scared that Antifa went to the Orange County sheriffs that were there in this intersection of Imperial and Yorbalinda and asked for help because they were afraid what we were going to do. We did nothing to them. They were just afraid. <laughs> the perception was that we were not going to allow this to happen. They've never been pushed back on before. And, and, I, and I feel like we are, again, this is the type of community that we have here mm -hmm. that we will stand and support and, and be there. Um, on, the school, on, the, on the board of the California Parent Alliance, we have a restaurant owner who has not followed any of the mandates in right. the Ventura County. Uh, area which is is and he's been fined I think up to about a million dollars you got the pastor there and his name is escaping right we just talked about him last night anyway he's been fined millions of dollars and he's not right. paid and but they are standing up it's not again it's just a bunch of talk so far it's just a bunch of threats because I believe that they know that there's no they don't have a legal leg to stand on so to speak yeah on these issues and so I, I'm just I, I know that you would be there for the fight, but oh, yeah. um, we, we must, I, I just feel like we have to be that district that fights back. Yeah, I agree. And <clears throat> I know that, you know, there's a board member for sure. That's right there with me in that belief. He feels exactly the same way. Yeah. Um, and uh, I'm sure he wouldn't mind me saying that because he's pretty vocal about it. But <clears throat> I do think that there has to be some type of stand. And I know that like the OC board of education has just sued Newsom again for the emergency order, you know, like the improper use of the emergency order, because he keeps claiming this emergency order, yet his mm -hmm. statements are, you know, contradicting everything. It's just kind of more of a power graph. So, um, you know, I think that we just have to keep, we just have to keep, you know, keep on doing this. And we have to keep the pressure on, we have to keep the lawsuits coming. Like somebody, um, there was a group text today that texted me about the whole mask thing. And I said, I just really, I, you know, I told them, I said, I, I really think that it's just time that we start, like you start suing the CDPH. And if your kid has the bad acne or your kid has respiratory diseases, like somebody told me last week that their kid has polyps in their nose and the doctor says it's from the mask. Like that's when you say, okay, we're going to go sue the CDPH because there really is no basis The the science isn't behind it. So when do you start just, just going after them and saying you're <laughs> responsible for this? I mean, it's kind of like the vaccine. They want to push this vaccine, but nobody, when all this stuff goes wrong with it, nobody wants to take responsibility. Like, I think when people are starting to be held responsible, that's when the nonsense stops. Yep. And one teacher emailed me about my oldest son, uh, his mask would slip down, down below his nose. And he sent me a, an email <laughs> and uh, I responded uh, with science and a bunch of other stuff. That I'm sure that he did not expect. He thought he was going to get, oh, I will talk to my son and tell him to keep his mask on which he got just the opposite. Uh, I've not heard back from that, that teacher about, right. <laughs> uh, about that thing. But I would say other than that one teacher, uh, I, I feel so strongly um, that uh, the teachers are with us. Yes. Uh, I, I told you yes. before we went live, I just got an email from a teacher who said that, that my name got thrown around at the union meeting that they were at. So um, they're well aware of this pushback. And um, right. And the teacher said there's she stood up for what I've been speaking about at the school board meetings and said that there's a lot of teachers that support 
but not right. only I say, but the rest of the parents uh, about, right. especially vaccines and masks. So it's not well, just the students, not just the parents, it's the teachers too. And I think too, like with Dr. Chow and this, um, you know, this quarantine and this um, testing stuff, I mean, the teachers are under so much stress. They are under so much stress because, I mean, if you think about it, they have to have a seating chart. They have to have all this stuff in line, um, you know, and then if somebody has a contact, they have to go in and trace the contact. I mean, we should be allowing it. it I think it's just a shame because of all the learning loss that we're experiencing. And then the teachers, you know, wanting to just teach and especially the younger kids with these masks and their special ed kids with the masks on, you know, a lot of our special ed kids and the younger kids, they need to see the lips moving. They need to see, you know, this yep. type of stuff happening. And so I really do feel for the teachers. I think that um, some teachers have told me that they are more stressed out this year than they were trying to do Zoom at home. Right. And, and you know, too, and like, I think if we get, I'm going to try to get an appointment with Dr. Chow and go in and talk to him because I think he needs to hear not only from, you know, from us, from a parent perspective, but also from the side of the teacher's perspective about how much right. stress and mental anxiety and just how hard they're, he's making this job for them, you know? Well, um, if you want to know, uh, I have a teacher that would probably stand right beside me. You. Yeah, yeah, I would love. Sure. I would love to get statements from everybody, and I. I mean, I would love to just you know get just tons of evidence and be able to present it because the teachers are struggling too. And and I. I mean, do these teachers really want to be sitting in class and having to tell kids pull up their mask all the time? I mean, is that really what they signed up to do, or did <laughs> they sign up to teach our children? I mean, you know, nobody wanted to be a mask police. I mean, they could, you know, if they want to be a cops, they would have, they would have gone another route, you know, right. I'm sure they just wanted to teach and not have to worry about this stuff. Right. So I feel, I feel really bad for the teachers too. And, you know, I have one kid who, you know, I have one kid with a mask. He's like, you know, he, he didn't thinks it's annoying, but it doesn't care. But another one really just bothers him. And so mm. it slips down a lot. And so I did tell him the other day, I said, look, just like their own perspective, you know, if somebody next to you, um, you know, is, you know, there's, there's some kids, you know, sometimes that they, they get nervous, your mask falls down and they, you know, say to him, I said, you know, no, the teachers don't want to have to deal with this. So, you know, just do your best to try to keep, you know, to try to keep it up. Nobody likes it, but you know, there, there's nothing really we could do about these masks. I mean, there is the maskless Mondays that have been going on in some school districts where the kids are just flat out refusing to wear their masks. Gosh, um, we need that. We need more yeah. of that. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot of things going on, but I just feel, I just feel for the teachers, I feel for the principals, because I don't really think anybody wants this. I think no. this has all just been forced on them, and it's just like stressing everybody out, and like everybody's just angry at each other all the time. It's just really sad. Yeah. All right. We spend a lot of time on vax and masks, and yeah. uh, it's important. I mean, it's really important. But yeah. um, the next subject, um, you know, it'd be great just to go back to a school board meeting and talk about what math we're going to use what yes. good math we're going to use, not common core math, you yeah. know, about, you know, let's talk, what's new about Columbus. We're going to teach our kids. We're stop talking about stupid <laughs> crap. Um, uh, the next thing is the, the, the stupid CRT, the, 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 mm -hmm. the clearly racist CRT uh, curriculum. Right. Um, and you and um, your, your fellow school board members, a few of them um, have, um, have, have gone to a place where we were beginning the process of banning it, which is taking longer than I would hoped. Um, but um, can you kind of explain what the processes were going through mm -hmm. uh, in regard to, to possibly banning CRT? Right. So the reason that's taking so long is if you do a resolution, a resolution doesn't need, you know, two reads. Um, you can you do a resolution and then boom, you could just read it and agree to it. Um, since this is actually would be some type of a policy, 
it requires a couple of reads because you're actually changing stuff. So um, the first read we knew because, you know, I brought it forward as an agenda item to see if we should move forward with it. And so we had the majority move forward with it. And then, um, so the staff from the district kind of took what our state, whoever made a statement, you know, I, I know that Sean and myself and Marilyn kind of made an extensive statement. So they took what we had written down and presented that night. They took that and then they took uh, Buck and Freeman's um, statements or whatever they had to, um, you know, to give input on. And they kind of took everything and then they tried to see like what was different, what was similar, and then they put in a resolution. So when it went out on the agenda and everyone was losing their, there were some people losing their minds, some people, you know, I wish that they would have known that that was just kind of like a starting point. It wasn't going to be, we always kind of knew going in that it wasn't, that was not going to be the end all. That, that was going to be the first read. Mm -hmm. We were going to go through line by line, take things out, add things that we wanted in. So that was the first read. And then we had a majority to go forward to the second read. So the second read, I believe the way that they're going to run on the next agenda is there's not going to be a study session before the board meeting like it was last time. We did the four to, I think it was 530 study session. Um, so is there going to be about 30 minutes to go over? There's a paragraph left and it's at the actual definition um, that they want to go over and kind of do. So we have about 30 minutes to go through talk about that. And then after we finish that part, we'll vote to go forward. That'll be the second read. And then the, the final, the final, the vote, the final vote to ban would be January. So we okay. still have another read. So there's not going to be a vote in December to actually ban it. It'll kind of be like the Eldorado lights. You continue to vote to move things forward. So um, this will, this next one will be hitting on the last paragraph with the definition and the bullet points that everyone was talking about. And then moving on with that. Okay. I want to dispel a couple of myths uh, that we hear a lot on the news um, and from even from the school board meetings some people got up and said that CRT is not being taught that uh, there is no curriculum in the state of California for CRT. Um, what have you found uh, as a school board member about that, that myth or that? Well, let me, rumor? well, I'm going to reach over and grab my phone because somebody sent me something earlier. <laughs> okay. Um, let me find it. Okay. So about that whole myth that it is because, um, it is being taught because people have told us mm -hmm. we get reports every, every week. Hold on one second. Carson has it. Um, so maybe my credit card, get dinner. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so basically with, um, we get emails every week, we get text messages. People find me on Facebook, you know, like I'm not friends with them and they just find us and then they say this happened. So what we always do is we, you know, say go to the principal, a lot of people, you know, a lot of parents are fearful to go to the principal because they're fearful that the teacher, if the teacher finds out what kid it is, that they're going to retaliate or the school's going to retaliate or somebody's going to retaliate. So, um, but yeah, every week, you know, there's one was the founding fathers were racist. Uh, you know, I mean, I don't know how many people have told me there are certain teachers who said, leave your white privilege at the door. Yeah. Um, you know, there's been uh, people, you know, there's been teachers talking, you know, completely political, how terrible the Trump administration was and how amazing the Biden administration was and how racist the Trump administration was and how good the Biden administration was. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of people, you know, have said it's their white privilege. We even had, I mean, there was, there was a huge, I mean, I was golfing one day with my husband, we were doing a foursome, you know, force a golf foursome. And um, we had, we're out there on the golf course and somebody 
is, um, you know, calling me and they're in a panic because their kid is being told that they did something because of their white privilege. Mm -hmm. I mean, and that is CRT in essence. I mean, you don't tell, I mean, has anybody ever told you that the reason you did something or if you did something wrong is because you're white? I mean, and that's, that's the whole thing. And that's why I think we, when people keep saying, oh, well, it's not being taught. Yes, it is being taught. It's being taught. Teachers know it's being taught. We have other teachers who are emailing us saying what lesson plans are and that the teachers are teaching this because they're concerned. And so, you know, there's teachers who are trying to pawn their anti-race curriculum, you know, to other teachers, you know, that's not approved by the district. Like, I mean, and, and I mean, and this is common knowledge, like this is out in the public because, you know, I go to these community meetings and everybody talks about this. So it's not like I'm, you know, spilling secrets. I mean, this is just common knowledge. So when these parents come in and, and they say this stuff, like, you know, we know, I know it, like it's been taught to my kids. So, yep. you know, when they come home and they say this and I go, oh yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. This is CRT. So I mean, <laughs> yes. to say that it's not being taught, like we've seen, I've seen it from my own eyes in my kids. So, and I think too, to, to continue to say it's not being taught, you're discrediting a lot of parents who do know what they're talking about, who are educated and who know what, what CRT is. And then I'm going to look real quick. While you're looking, I was just going to share the story that of my son uh, came to me and says, you know, I was just told, he goes, Dad, I'm, I'm not sure if this is true or not, but I've heard you talk about it. Uh, you know, my kids are uh, conservatives. Um, but he said, uh, a friend of mine was told by a teacher that um, uh, police officers are killing black people at about a thousand to somewhere. He didn't know for sure what it was. It was between a thousand and ten thousand a year hunting them down and killing them for no reason. And the friend who was told this by the teacher, uh, his father is a police officer and now he won't talk to his, his, his father because oh of, of this thing. And I mean, that was the one that I gave at the school board meeting during right. the CRT um, study. And, in, and apparently that's what they were talking about the union that they didn't believe my, my, my story. That, that's a truthful story. I can, right. I can give you the child. <laughs> right. um, uh, but when we're talking about CRT, maybe in some cases they're not you know, uh, teaching a CRT course or a, out of a curriculum, right. but it is the, the, you know, the principles, theory. the, the principles. theory or the principles yeah. that are the thing that are being taught that the teachers are taking upon themselves to bring to the classroom to, uh, to indoctrinate the children with their, um, their theories. And that, that's what the problem is. So sorry, I just, while you were looking, I no, wanted no. to make sure and I share mean, that. And, and but you being a police officer, me being a police officer, um, this is the type of thing that now they're turning, the teachers are turning our kids against us. Right. And, I mean, and let's, and, and I mean, on the California Teachers Association, the CTA website, it said that police officers are terrorists. I mean, and I have a screenshot of that that I will forever keep that that's some of the things that they preach, you know, that they're right. specifically said police officers are terrorists. You know, there was all kinds of um, white supremacist, you know, saying and it was like, make America great again as a white supremacist. I mean, I don't know if let's go Brandon is a white supremacist statement now. I don't know. But um, since the last meeting, it might be in the, yeah. in the video that we put together. But, but, the thing, <laughs> but the thing is, is that when you're when you go to the California Teachers Association website, and I know they took some of the stuff down as it started to become more known what they were pushing. Um, when that stuff was up, a lot of it was, was what critical race theory is about, that they were pushing that that was good. And what was bad was police officers. What was bad? I mean, 
it was just appalling. And I wish I, I mean, I should send you so you could put it up for your viewers, um, what, what this stuff was, but it was, it was just appalling. And, um, here was, so the Liberated Ethnic Studies Model, Model Curriculum Coalition is training teachers how to teach CRT without calling it CRT. They watched three hours of video and there was vi the, the video opens with comments on the Yorba Linda school board. So they're commenting on us because we're trying to ban it. So I'm just going to say right now is if, if they're the people who are doing the monocle curriculum coalition are trying to get teachers how to teach it without calling it CRT, then we're teaching CRT. And nice. if we're trying to avoid doing it now, then obviously there's something going on here and it just has to stop. And right. I just feel like to, for people to say it's not being taught, it's not being taught every week. We get, we get things from parents and we know it's being taught. And I'm not saying it's every teacher. I mean, it's just a few, you know, here and there that we, that we get, but it's enough to know that there's a problem and that you have to do something about it because, you know, it's just, it's like anything. It's like any job. There's going to be, there might be a few who might, you know, think going to go off the rails a little bit, or I'm going to go teach it regardless of, um, of what I'm told to do. Right. And so I, I kind of feel like that's, it's, you know, that's the same thing here. And, and, you know, people have signed petitions and said they're going to teach CRT regardless if it's against their district or against their law, you know, or against the law. They're going to teach it anyways. You know, there's lots of those petitions that have gone around. So, I mean, I think it is a problem. And, and the whole thing, too, is, is I did run. My campaign was on traditional curriculum and keeping social justice politics, critical race theory, everything out of education. And my, and my whole thing is this, is whether you agree with critical race theory or you don't, whether you agree with certain politics or you don't, whether you agree with social justice issues or you don't, what is it having? Why do we need to have it in the schools? And most people would say, and, and from what I've asked people, they say, well, these parents won't teach it at home to their kids. Okay, so the only way they can get it taught is in the schools. So they're using a school for the platform. They're using the schools. And so we need to go back to just teaching the basics and teaching the curriculum and putting forward, you know, the best that we can, kids that are educated and that can go into the world and make a difference and not, you know, spend time in our schools learning how to hate each other or to feel right. guilty because they're white. Or, yep. you know, to dwell on these other things like and that, you know, our mission statement absolutely doesn't say anything about having divisive curriculum, pitting things about it. It's all about excellence and standards and, you know, pushing these students out into the world to be as successful as they can, in everything that they endeavor. And right. so that's really I feel like if you're going to allow politics and social justice issues and critical race theory into the classroom, we are actually going against what we want to achieve as a district. If we can only achieve what our, you know, what our, uh, what our, uh, oh my gosh, I just lost the word. If we can only achieve what we want to as a district and what we're, you know, telling people that our goals are is if we just teach the actual curriculum. Right. And that's one of the myths that was even brought up again. Another parent got up and says, we don't, we have to teach children about slavery. We have to teach children about the bad things that our country has done. And I'm, I was I, I, when did that stop? I mean, I, I, I was right. taught about slavery. We watched Roots in the classroom mm -hmm. um, and talked about Roots when it was being televised on television. Um, we talked about, you know, many of the other things that has been done in this country and other countries around the world. That has always been a part of the study of history. It must be the, the study, yes. uh, a part of the study for history. And so this thought that we've, we've stopped teaching, you know, but I, I don't know what we're teaching if we're not teaching that in history. 
<laughs> I, think, I think what happens too is I think we're teaching the history and we're teaching the facts and we're not blaming. Right. And critical race theory is a lot of blaming. And blame. a lot, I mean, even like off, I mean, even going, there's a lawsuit right now against critical race theory because um, the religion, prayer in schools and teaching the Bible in schools and certain things like that, you know, you're not allowed to, to do that. And so um, one of the chapters in uh, the ethnic studies, you know, has the students chanting and praying to these Aztec gods. And mm -hmm. someone kept going up there and saying, that's not happening. They're not doing it. And it's like, okay, well, here's the chapter. Here's this. And here's what it is. And now there's a lawsuit against the state about this. So let's, let's not say that that's not happening. Right. Um, but, you know, it's just, I don't understand it. And you know, too, and like I learned about, we learned about slavery. We learned about, you know, the world wars in Germany and all these, you know, the Japanese internment camps. And like, I never, I never thought to sit there. Like I, I felt bad for the Japanese when you learn, yeah. you learn in history about the, the, the camps and, you know, and then like, we need to know our history because we should learn from it and not let it repeat itself, but we shouldn't go around playing blame games because no, what happened three or 400 years ago, none of us could control. Yeah. I had a friend, his name was Jerry Fujita. I remember this. Uh, he, we grew up in the same area. And when we were talking about the internment camps that the Japanese were in, he said, my parents were there and my uh, grandparents and, um, but the parent, the, his parents were born in the camp when his grandparents were there. And I said, oh, wow. And said that, you know, I'm sorry that happened to your grandparents. And then we went on and played football. Right. And so I, mean, <laughs> yeah. I, don't, I don't know what this had to do with me. My dad was in World War II and was, a, was in the Army in World War II. Am I going to blame my dad for what happened here in the United States with his grandparents? No. Right. Uh, it, it's part of our history. It's just part right. of what happened. Uh, but right. he never looked at me as if, like, I'm not going to talk to you anymore now that I know this about, you know, what happened here in the United States. Right. No. And, uh, and we can go on with other like, Kind of a funny story was I just found out like maybe I don't know, a month or two ago that my great grandparents might have, you know, immigrated here illegally from Mexico and Spain. <laughs> you know, you. and, and yeah. I am for, I, you know, you know me, I'm for, you know, coming here the right way and stuff. And I'm upset with my grand, you know, I mean, it's just like that's part of our history and you just learn from it. And we all have, you know, we all have things in the past and. I don't know. I just, I just feel like we need to concentrate on the present. Let the history be our guide as to the mistakes that we shouldn't be making in the future and like learn from it. But to, to make people feel like because of their race or because of their skin color or because of their religion, um, that anything, I mean, I, I just, I just felt it's just wrong. And, and we're, we're taking her off the ball, which is educating kids. I'm going to hit a couple of these comments really quick. Uh, Stephanie Bar Barris. Um, I said uh, back to the when we were talking about the vaccines and the masking is that my kids are afraid to tell their teachers if they have a tummy ache or tickle in their throat. It's super sad. Oh, my God. I can't even tell you. And my kids will say, I don't I got I don't I'm not feeling that great. I go, OK, don't say anything to anybody. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's a whole panic. Like, I don't want you to now have to stay home for seven days yeah. or whatever it is now. It yeah, is. Uh, it's, cra it's, it's crazy. And I feel, I feel like, too, I feel like this whole thing is like really taking away like you know, like when you talk about like the teachers and stuff, if things were going on at home or there's some problem, like, you know, you always felt like, oh, what is it? Go tell a police officer, go tell a teacher. Like, I feel like anymore, like there's no telling yeah. anymore, anything. Yep. Like, and I feel like that, that these kids have lost, you know, like, like some communication and um, relationships with their teachers because you don't want to, you don't want to tell me, you know, you don't want to tell anybody anything. Right. And I think that that's sad. And I also think it's dangerous. Maria Stubbs says, thank you for putting this together, Andy and Leandra. You are welcome. We, I'd love it when I have Leandra on. We can get to the, <laughs> get to the 
the bottom of all this stuff. I'm going to bring up this uh, this flyer that found its way uh, around before the last school board meeting, and it says, "Take action if you are able to attend the board meeting on November 16th, Tuesday, open to the public on uh, you know there at the school district. Right. Wear green in disapproval of the the ban. I'm so sorry, the, you know the CRT ban right. and or voice public comment." Uh, and supposedly, the per if, if the child who attends the school did this, they would get volunteer credit at the school. Um, are you aware of this flyer that went out? Has there been any talk about, can a teacher do this? Can a teacher give a volunteer credit to speak a, you know, for something like CRT? Um, so I know that, uh, yeah, that was sent to me like a few hours before the board meeting. You know, people were like so upset. Parents were so upset. Um, and so, you know, teachers can give extra credit, you know, for attending certain things. Um, but I think what, from my understanding, when I question, when I asked about this was, they said, well, you can't instruct somebody to speak for only one, like, political side. You know, oh, attend the board meeting because, like, this is a good political thing. This is good, you know, for the school that, you know, just certain things like, like that. But you can't make them pick a side to get the extra credit or to get the hours um, and I think, I don't know, that was pretty, that was pretty, you know, like, what if you had somebody who maybe wanted to wear a red shirt, you know, in that <laughs> class, what are they going to give hours, you know, are they going to give the same as they are to the green? Right. So I think this was just like, if this was true and if this was going on, then I think that we were walking a really fine line um, at just what is the appropriateness of this, you know, like I mean, the, if it was a teacher, if it was a group, whatever it was, it should have been given to the whole class, not just if you're going to go wear a green shirt. Yeah. Well, this isn't the first time we've seen something like this. When yeah. uh, during your campaign and after you got voted in, there was a teacher that was rallying children to create a uh, Instagram uh, <laughs> community to uh, get you, uh, you know, impeached of whatever. Well, I'm not sure what it's yes. called. To get you to resign, recalled. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So this isn't the first time. No, this uh, isn't the first time. Uh, sorry, looking at these things. Um, Stephanie goes on. It's uh, dangerous and traumatizing. It is this whole thing. Uh, it, it, school has become such a difficult place uh, for our kids. It's an important place for them to be. I, I, again, uh, I'll just preface again that I think our school district is better than most. And yes. many of the teachers that I've talked to, including the athletic director at your, uh, El Dorado, who I had the good fortune of talking to yesterday, great people, great people, listen and, and dislike most of the stuff as much as we do. Um, and, and that's the only thing that we have going for us. But we see here in these scores um, that 32%, um, 32.5% of the students from grades K, eight, K through 8 in iReady, which is, we'll talk about that in just a second, but it are below standard. And then another 23% or two or more levels below standard. When we're, when we're getting away uh, and spending more time on these issues, that's by race, which is gonna, it's too hard to explain on this thing. But when we get into math, that's 43.5% are below level and another 23% are two or more levels below. When we're spending so much time on these other issues mm -hmm. and in worrying about policing masks and, you know, how much and, and, and telling kids they can't come to school because they got a little bit of a fever or tummy, how can we possibly focus on bringing these grades up? We've, we've lost the, the purpose of what we want our kids to go to school. We want them to learn how to read. We want to let, learn how to count. We want them to learn how to write. We want to learn how to think. And we want them to socialize and make friends and have a great time in sports. 
we've we've lost all that. Is there is what's going on? How, I mean, what what do we what's going on? I don't know what to say. I don't even know that the, what the question is. But Leandra, help us. Uh, so when we get all of these um, online, you know, apps and programs and stuff, um, you know, most of the teachers that I've talked to, they've said we need to stay away from this stuff because the kids really need in-person instruction from their teacher. Not, you know, like when you have so many online programs and your kids are in the classroom doing online programs. They're not learning a lot of times that way. There are some kids who do. Some kids who do like, you know, there's my oldest, you know, was in my, I have all three of my kids dealt with this when this COVID first happened. And, you know, my oldest was fine. My middle kid was fine. My youngest was not okay with learning this way because that's just, it's just not him. So when we continue with the online programs, you know, where some might succeed, but you know, it is like, there's evidence-based research, there's evidence-based tech. I mean, all this stuff that says that these kids learn better in person with the teacher teaching them. And so when these, when these programs come up and, you know, we research them and they are, you know, just riddled with social justice issues and mm -hmm. CRT and all kinds of excess stuff. I deny it, not just because of that, not just because that's what I promised to my constituents and I promised to my voters that I was going to try to get out. I'm also doing it because there has to be another program that's better, that if there's 50% of social justice issues in a program and then there's 50% of curriculum, there has to be a program out there that at least has 80% curriculum and maybe 20% of social justice issues. And so those are the programs that I'm personally looking for um, when I'm doing my vote. And that's kind of my goal. And I'm listening to teachers and I'm listening to administrators and I'm listening to, you know, people who tell me like my uncle um, is, was, you know, he's a, he retired, he was a superintendent, you know, I was sister is teacher. My dad was teacher. I mean, there's a lot of people that still ask certain questions for, you know, and just having kids, having three kids that have gone through this district and are still in the school district, you know, you have friends who, you have friends and you ask your friends and you ask, you know, when I go to these um, community meetings, you ask, how are your kids learning better? And every person that I'm listening to is saying, we hate the online program. Yep. And iReady, you know, is an assessment tool. However, a lot of teachers use it, you know, just as a, a lot of teachers use it excessively. And the kids, you know, don't like it. Um, you know, they don't, they'd rather read a book than go online and read iReady. And, you know, to do the, the certain things that iReady, you know, asks of them. And so I think we just need to go back to, when we talk about traditional curriculum, let's go back to doing that and let's get our kids back to where they need to be. And I'm not sure that these online, um, you know, even these online math programs. I mean, like I remember trying to do an SAT program that was like an online thing and I hated it because mm -hmm. it just, you know, there was no explanation. Like they're sitting there and you're trying to get an explanation. There's no explanation. And if it was, it was such a ridiculous explanation. Like, well, okay, I'm even more lost now after trying to read this computer, you know, to explain this to me. So, um, so a lot of people, you know, after will say like, you know, accuse me of being racist or accuse me of, you know, all of this stuff for not approving these online programs that have a lot of critical race theory in there or social justice stuff, but it's not that I think that we can do better. And I think that we should be competitive and we should be finding the best programs that, you know, have good curriculum in them, not, you know, we're, I feel like a lot of times like we just settle and we just mm -hmm. are throwing money at a program where I think we should be throwing more money at teachers, smaller class sizes. That, you and took the word right, out of, my, right out of my mouth. And, and, and to be fair, 
it is hard right now to find teachers. It is hard. You know, it, it, it's hard. However, I feel that we shouldn't be throwing our money at the online programs. We should be throwing them at teachers and smaller class sizes and more in-person instruction. Absolutely. So, so and there's tons of parents. We have, I know we have, <laughs> I know we have tons of parents that are willing to, to, to go into the classrooms. We, we see them all the time that they've been, I don't know if they're, are they allowed back in? Cause I know that they weren't having them for a little while because of the COVID can, you know, constraints. And I things know like that, that if you want, if you want to volunteer, you have to have a negative COVID test or you have to be vaccinated. Yeah. So it's even um, hard. It's hard for parents to even get in the schools, you know? And, yeah. And, but that's the pain, but the amount of money that we're paying for as, as you so mm -hmm. awesomely pointed out in one of the school board meetings, I said, we're paying how much for these programs uh, to be indoctrinated with, again, with, uh, with the CRT curriculum. I mean, it was, uh, it, it was stunning. I can't, if the, you could hear the air leave the room from all the parents breathing in like, yes. we're what, how much are we paying for these things? That the well, salary of a teacher that would be yes. far more effective and far better for our kids um, for the equal amount of money. I mean, even just yes. a substitute teacher or a part-time teacher to come in and teach certain yes. things that if the teacher in the classroom was overwhelmed, uh, you know, at, at certain times could come in there and help, but right. far better to have a, a live a teacher of encouragement, a smiling face once you take the mask off uh, to help the children individually is far better than a, a bland uh, screen from a computer. I, I just yeah. don't see it. Yeah. Geneva says here, just I, real quick, Geneva says, I agree the online programs, uh, a lot of the kids share, they don't care for them. Also, mindless assemblies they share are a waste of money. Sorry, didn't mean to cut you off. Oh, no, no. I was just, you know, I was just making the comment that, um, you know, just the, the, some of these things are a lot of money and the $400,000 program I think you're speaking of and a lot of people are still mm -hmm. super upset about, you know, there, there are going to be people who are coming in person. However, the program was so vague and there was no Yelp reviews. There's no parental reviews. There was nothing. And it was so, um, you know, there's just nothing. There's no evidence based, nothing about what was going on. here. And so that was, and you know, and we don't get like what some people say is how come you don't like, you know, just we, we get, brought forward one thing. So if like, you know, you have to start asking, well, what's the next thing? And it's just a lot of times this is one thing that's brought mm -hmm. forward. So it, you know, it makes it hard. And then, you know, sometimes people get worried, well, if we don't pass this, you know, what's next. But I just think that sometimes, you know, like somebody made the comment, well, if we don't pass this, like, you know, if, or if we do pass this, you know, there's going to be people in the classroom helping right away. Well, who are these people and what type of education do they have? You know, a lot of the people that we looked up and there's nothing wrong with Sylvan Learning Center, but there was, you know, people who are after, I, I didn't find any actual teachers, you know, as employees of this thing. I saw after school coordinators and after school, like babysitters and just different things like that. And so I feel like when we do these programs is I really go and I research, I, I Google, I look at their blogs. I, I look at everything because I just feel like it's so important to know what we're, what and who we are bringing into our schools and if we can do better. And I feel like if we can do better, then we should take a moment. We should step back and we should just either put it on pause or we just, you know, we just deny it, deny the vote. And then mm -hmm. if we can't find anything better, we can always bring it back and then vote it in the next meeting if we can't find anything that's better. But I just feel like, you know, we're here for the kids. And if I vote for something that I truly don't believe in, and I think it might be just be crap, then I'm not doing my job. And right. so that's, that's, and that's why I vote no a lot of times. That's why I ask a lot of questions. And then I'm asking the questions too, because a lot of times 
the parents are asking me these questions. And so I'm getting the answers for like pretty much everybody. Because awesome. transparency, I think, is the best thing that we could do. For sure. And we appreciate you, Leandra, so much. And uh, you and Sean and um, Marilyn's getting there. I, I, I've been happy with, happier with her lately. <laughs> and, I, and I know that I know I, I don't want to say too much, but um, we will work on those other two uh, in the next election. Uh, but I, I'm going to let you go because I know it's your son's birthday. I've kept you yes, for a, an you. hour. I kept you for an hour. <laughs> I'm so sorry. But there was so much ground to cover and we talked oh, a lot yeah. about it, a lot of different subjects. So I'm going to let you go. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay on for just a little bit. Okay. But um, um, there are a lot of great comments. People are wishing that you were part of uh, their uh, district uh -huh. and uh, Geneva <laughs> agrees 100%. And uh, throwing money at the teachers will not help invest money in your children with real books. Di uh, diaries are good for history. Uh, the Bible is a good start. Absolutely. I am, amen on that. Carol's a friend of mine from the Anaheim Police Department from years back. Oh, so, yeah. um, But Leandra, thank you. I appreciate yeah, you so much. You. Go, go celebrate your, your son's 16th birthday. Okay. All right. Bye. Take care. Bye. All right, my friends, that was fantastic to have Leandra on. I, um, I just, there was so much to cover that, and I, I needed to get her input on a lot of things because, uh, of course, I have my outside view of things. And um, sometimes, um, you know, it just helps to have a little bit of uh, behind, the, behind the desk, behind, the, you know, behind those walls that they, they go to and, and talk about things that we will we'll never know what's going on. So I, it's, it's really important to have Leandra uh, as, a, uh, as a school board member. So happy that we supported her. All of us that are, you know, here in the Placentia Urban School District, we made the right decision. Um, and Leandra and Sean, and and again, we have we have uh, another uh, conservative, Marilyn, who's on there. That uh, I am blurry. What happened? Am I? I look I look perfectly fine on my end. Um, but uh, thank you, Carol, for letting me know. Um, one thing I want uh, to to uh, encourage everybody to go to is if you have not seen it yet. Um, uh, um, this banner here, I'm going to put up. It's the CaliforniaParentAlliance.org. Uh, I have just been elected the, parent, uh, the president for the CaliforniaParentAlliance.org. If you could go there and subscribe, you're going to see the old website still. Uh, the old website, we're doing, going into a transition. I was just elected president. I'm changing the website. We're changing um, some, uh, some of the programming that we have going on, and we're going to educate uh, parents on how to flip uh, school boards like we were able to here at Placentia or Belinda. We're almost there in, a, in, in its entirety. <clears throat> we're going to talk about, we're going to have organizations we're going to partner up with, some legal defense, children's legal defense. Um, Robert F. Kennedy Jr.'s organization will be teaming up with them and a whole lot of other stuff going on. We're going to have um, an online uh, event coming up in the in January and a live event that you can come to with some great speakers in February. So again, make sure and go to CaliforniaParentAlliance.org. It won't cost you anything. It's free. Go there and subscribe. That way you can um, find out when the organizations are. We're going to have chapters. And so when we're ready for that, we will be looking for chapter leaders in different uh, school districts to help with all that. And um, I think that's all I have for you. Uh, that was a long show. Sorry, it was a little bit over an hour, uh, but that tends to happen when Leandra and I are on there talking. So I uh, appreciate you guys so much um, coming on. And um, yeah, Geneva says, Robert is a fighter. Yeah, I interviewed Alex, who is one of the board members for the organization um, the day before yesterday. It was a great interview. Did she? She's amazing. All right, my friends. Uh, love you guys. Uh, God bless. We will expect to see you at the next school board meeting. Keep coming to the school board meetings. 
Again, bring more people, even if you have to sit outside for a little bit and bring a sign, let them know that you're present, let them know that you care. Uh, as Leander was talking about, we also need people to go to the Orange County Supervisors uh, meetings in Santa Ana. And so you're going to want to make sure and find out when those are. I don't have any dates for you right now. Uh, we have a D December meeting coming up. Uh, and if anybody could put that in the chat, I believe, hold on, PYLUFD.org. I'll tell you when the date is. I should have had that all ready to go. I do that every time. It is uh, December 14th, 2021. December 14th. Um, make sure and be there for the school board meeting. They're at 7 p.m., 7 p.m. But again, there's so many people that are attending. You may want to get there a little bit early uh, to make sure that you get a seat. But either way, uh, even if you're going to be late, even if you're not there till 7.15, come there, be there, show that you care by being there. Let's build those numbers up. Let's just make it so that they have to move to another venue. Maybe we have to go to the, uh, you know, the, uh, you know, Fringe, uh, Yorba Linda Friends Church and hold the school board meeting there because of, uh, you know, we need the, the room or something like that. I'm not sure, but keep coming to the school board meetings. It's super, super important. Um, and, oh, every other Tuesday for the super Geneva, Geneva knows she's amazing. Geneva's amazing. She goes to all, all of them. Uh, but every other Tuesday for the supervisor, Orange County supervisors uh, meeting, go there and let your voice be heard. All right, my friends, again, love you guys. Thank you for watching. And I will see you on the next one. Take care. See you at the school board meeting. Thank you.